Hello, and welcome to Cinebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is David Berman. I am uh, next year's editor-in-chief for the Daily Nebraskan, um, so I'm very excited to assume that role um, next month. Uh, but until then, I just record this podcast. Yeah, uh, and usually we're also joined by Mia Everding, but she is currently busy and I think out of state. And I don't, I don't really know what Mia is up to, but Mia cannot be here. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's just David and I this week. Um, and since David lives in South Dakota and not Nebraska. Like a big uh, nerd. Yeah, uh, we are recording remotely. So uh, apologies if the, if the quality of audio isn't as good as it usually is. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, as I already mentioned, I'm Kyle Cruz. I graduated from the university last month um, and I'm currently just hosting this podcast and doing whatever, um, looking, looking for jobs. Got a couple exciting things in the works right now. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Very exciting. This professional writer boy here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, on that note, we'll just jump right into it with our first segment, which is what have I done? And what have I done is the segment where we just talk about what, what movies or TV or whatever we've been watching and whether or not it was any good. So as usual, Dave, let's start with you. What have you been up to? So yeah, I've uh, like like you said, Kyle. <clears throat> I've been I've been home in South Dakota for the last week and will be for the foreseeable future. Um, and so over Memorial Day weekend, um, on Memorial Day itself, my family and I were just kind of looking for a fun like summer blockbuster movie to kick off the summer with. <clears throat> and so we were scrolling Disney Plus, and we were just like, let's just rewatch the first Incredibles because I honestly don't remember when the first when the last time I watched that was, and really damn good still um i think it holds up really well yeah i i don't yeah like i said i don't remember when the last time i watched it was but i think i got a lot more out of it this time i think a staple of pixar movies is that they are kids movies that adults can enjoy and get even deeper meanings out of and i think especially at the beginning where they're doing all the like the newscast footage and explaining that like superheroes are banned because of the government now and there are a bunch of lawsuits I think as a kid I was just like I don't understand any of this um and I didn't you know really kind of grasp the oh it's you know just examining superheroes and what if they were in their middle age and like and what if Mr. Incredible had a midlife crisis and I just think that's really great and I don't think we see a lot of that in like superhero media um so yeah, it's great. It's a ton of fun. The score by Michael Giacchino is still absolutely bopping. Um, I think all the voice performances are really good and it's just a really brisk, fun movie. Um, and I think it's definitely like an upper, upper echelon Pixar movie. So yeah, I'm definitely glad I, glad I rewatched it. And then we were considering watching the second one, but I don't remember like loving that. And I think it's just kind of okay. So we just didn't watch that. But first one, very good. Yeah, I think the second Incredibles is like, it's pretty decent. Like, it's not as good as the first one, but I think it's still enjoyable. Our listeners won't be able to see this, obviously, but I have a cup here full of just change. That's a movie theater cup for the Incredibles too. That's just like, wow, right on my desk. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I remember my first time watching the Incredibles. I was like, I don't remember what year this came out. So I was probably like five or six um, and I was watching it in the back seat of a friend's 
parents minivan. Uh, and it was one of those fancy ones that had like the TV that came down. And so we were just watching The Incredibles on that tiny little screen in the backseat of a minivan while we were on our way to go see Disney on Ice. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, quite the memory. That, that is such a like specific childhood experience of like watching a movie on, on a car TV in the backseat. Like I, I have many memories like that. And I think the fact that you're going to see Disney on Ice is also just very, very amusing. So. Yeah, I don't remember much of Disney on Ice, but I remember <laughs> watching The Incredibles. <laughs> I remember being very scared of uh, of Ursula because they had a big like blow up Ursula when we saw Disney on Ice, and I was like, I don't like this. I'm not a fan. And so I think we left. I think I think we left early because I was a small baby. So <laughs> you're like, this is not 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 fun. Um, no. Yeah, The Incredibles is pretty good. Like I think it definitely is one of those like many Pixar movies, especially of the time. Uh, it's one of those movies that I think you can definitely appreciate more as an adult than you can as a kid. Like it's definitely like kid friendly, but it's not necessarily a movie for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what makes The Incredibles like hold up so well, like today. Definitely. Um, yeah. Um, so Mia's not here, but we do have a, a what have I done for Mia uh, just from discussion earlier this week. So Mia uh, watched Bo Burnham's uh, new standup on Netflix called Inside. Um, I, I haven't watched it, but from what I've gathered, it's, yeah, just a general, like, Bo Burnham musical comedy special that he recorded entirely, like, in quarantine by himself, um, and she said, quote, it was devastating, it's so good, but it made me incredibly sad, um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that, that's the, that's the few sentence review for Mia and her contribution to this, to this podcast episode. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I've been meaning to watch it just because like I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a Bo Burnham fan. Um, but yeah, I just haven't haven't watched it yet. Are you, are you do you plan on watching Inside, David? I I don't think I was, but from what Mia has said and from all of like the Twitter discourse I have seen, it's apparently really good. Uh, so I think I watched a Bo Burnham special like a very long time ago. Um, and in general, he's like not usually my favorite, but I think I'll definitely watch this. And the clips I've seen, I've, I've found pretty funny, so. Yeah. Um, in terms of what I've been up to, uh, so there's been a lot of just like random movies I've watched in the last week or so. Um, but most recently, as in the past couple of days, I've been on a bit of a Spider-Man kick. Um, and that started a couple nights ago uh, when I sat down uh, and watched Spider-Man Far From Home uh, for the first time, basically since it came out. And I remember like when it came out, I like I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I wasn't like as in love with it as I was like Spider-Man Homecoming or anything. Like I thought it was a, a pretty decent Spider-Man movie, but I didn't like love it. Um, so when I watched it this time, I kind of went in with those expect- expectations. And I found that I enjoyed Far From Home even more now than I did when it came out. Like I think it's genuinely like really great. Um, I think it's a, it continues the overall Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe story well in the sense that it's the first movie to come out after Endgame, um, but they don't get too caught up in that. Like they kind of just introduce that right off the top of the movie and say, this is kind of like the setting that this movie is taking place in. Um, But then the actual plot of the movie kind of has very little to do with that. Um, It kind of, I feel like you could take the Endgame stuff out of Far From Home and it would basically be the same movie. Um, it's not entirely woven into it like that, which I liked. Um, it makes the movie stand on its own quite a bit. Um, and I know one complaint I had about Far From Home when I first saw it 
was just kind of the general complaint a lot of people have about the the Tom Holland version of Spider-Man and that's that he's too tied to Tony Stark um, that he's kind of just like an Iron Man meets Spider-Man character Mm -hmm. Um, and watching Far From Home this time I kind of like the presence of Tony Stark in this movie is definitely like noticeable like his like the his sacrifice at the end of Endgame uh, spoiler alert definitely like casts a shadow on this movie but I think like thematically, this movie's definitely about Peter Parker getting out of that shadow. I think it's definitely about him like like learning to like accept that like Tony's gone and that kind of stuff and like deal with the expectations that are now put on him, but also accept that he's not Iron Man, that he's not Tony Stark and he's just kind of do what do what he does and like be be Peter Parker. Um, which I which I think I appreciated a lot more this time. Um, I thought it was really well handled. And I think uh, the relationship between uh, Peter Parker and MJ in this movie was fantastic. Um, I thought, so Zendaya, who plays uh, MJ, which I don't remember the actual name of her character. I know it's not Mary Jane, but I forget the actual name. Uh, that's a very good question. I do not remember. She's MJ. <laughs> yeah. But I remember she had very little to do in Spider-Man Homecoming, but like she definitely has a significant increase in her role for Far From Home. And I thought she handles it really well. Um, and I think the relationship between the two of them was honestly one of the best parts of the movie. Um, I think they were both just like really awkward and definitely in high school and it was kind of adorable. Um, and it was just very, very wholesome. And just like, she still was like competent and like able to like put things together. And like, she was definitely like her own character. Um, but yeah, I just really like that relationship and I'm excited to see how they continue with that into into No Way Home, which comes out later this year, because obviously No Way Home with all the multiverse stuff and like Doctor Strange being in it has, there's a lot going on in that movie. Um, So I'm curious to see um, how big the relationship between Peter Parker and MJ, like how crucial that is to No Way Home or if they just kind of ignore it, which I hope they don't. Um, But yeah, Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home? I think it's really great. I think it's, I think on par with Homecoming. Um, I I think when I first saw it, I had just, just very, very good vibes from it. Um, I think all the Mysterio stuff is just really, really great. He is a top tier Marvel villain, in my opinion. Um, and I hope we see more of him, even though I guess he's dead, but also you could just say that was an illusion and he's actually alive or he is dead and they could bring him back using that technology in some way um but yeah he I I think it's a really great movie I think I hope and I think I've said this on the show before but I hope that No Way Home is I'm sure it'll be a big multiverse packed extravaganza but I also hope it doesn't get too big and that it still lets those characters of Peter and Ned and MJ like breathe and kind of do their own thing so um so yeah I I definitely am looking forward to the third one yeah, um, but then continuing off of that, yesterday I also rewatched uh, the first Spider-Man film uh, directed by Sam Raimi and starring Tobey Maguire from 2002, I believe. Um, and this is, so the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, as I feel is the case with like most people into superhero movies our age, like these were like these superhero movies that I, like I was into as a kid. Like I, I grew up watching these movies. Um, and I hadn't like gone back and rewatched the first or second one in a, in a minute. Um, so yesterday I sat down and rewatched the first one and man, it holds up 
really well. Like there's definitely like some moments here and there that you're like, yeah, this is from 2002. And this is from like pre the modern superhero era. So like there's some really cheesy moments. Um, but as a whole, I think it's just a really solid movie. Um, and I think like the plot and like the pacing of this movie is just absolutely stellar. Um, I think looking back, I didn't really enjoy Tobey Maguire in the role of Spider-Man. Like, I feel like he's a good Peter Parker, but not a great Spider-Man. Um, but I honestly just, after like the first five or 10 minutes of the movie, like he just kind of blended into that role for me. Um, and now I kind of like understand what, like he's still not my favorite Spider-Man. I think Tom Holland's the best Spider-Man we've got. Um, but I can understand why people love him as much as they do. Um, I will say that, so the one like aspect of this movie that kind of like consistently nagged at me was the Green Goblin costume, which I realized <laughs> might be a hot take. Maybe it's not a hot take, um, but like I think in still images, uh, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin costume in this movie works really well, but when it's moving and fighting and especially when he's talking out of it, it just, it's so cartoony and it's so like, I don't know, it just took me out of the movie every time I, uh, every time it showed up especially because Willem Dafoe is so good uh, in that role um, that just like putting that costume over the top of it kind of, I feel like held him back a little bit. Um, there were a few moments where like, uh, so like in the costume, like you can see through like the mesh of the mouth a bit and actually see Willem Dafoe's mouth uh, behind the mask. Uh, and there's multiple times in this movie or what he's saying does not match up with what like you see his lips moving behind the mask. And it's just, it's very obvious. And maybe it wasn't as obvious at the time because it wasn't in like as high, like as high definition or whatnot. Um, but I, I just thought that was really funny. Um, but yeah, as a whole, I really like this Spider-Man movie. I'm, it's got me very excited to go back and rewatch Spider-Man 2 um, because I, that's another one I haven't seen for a long time. Um, and some people think that's the best superhero movie ever made. So we'll, we'll see how that holds up. Um, but honestly, I think I'm going to try and go back and rewatch like all of the Spider-Man movies. Like I, even though we just rewatched three last year, I think I'll try and make my way through three and then maybe go back and rewatch the amazing Spider-Man movies. I still haven't seen the second one. Heard it's pretty trash, but you know what? I feel like it's worth it for the experience of having seen all of them. Um, so yeah, what's your relationship with the first Spider-Man movie, Dave? Do you, do you like this movie? I don't dislike it. It's just, it's not, it just isn't my favorite. I think I appreciate it for being the first one, for setting the precedent for just a lot of superhero movies moving forward, kind of laying the blueprint. Um, and I think there is a certain charm to it and a charm to this universe and these characters. But I just, it, there are just a lot of things that bother me about it. I just, I hate Tobey Maguire like so much. I just think he's not good in the role. And I know that that's a very, not a hot take, but it's just, I know a lot of people would disagree. Um, and I, I think Willem Dafoe is like very clearly the best part of this movie and um, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't love Tobey Maguire. I don't love Kirsten Dunst as MJ. Um, I think James Franco is James Franco in this movie. So he's just kind of weird. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, there, there's a lot of charming moments to it. I think there are a lot of things I do like about it, but it's just just not just not my fave at all. Um, and it, it's something that like, if it's on, I'll watch it and I don't, I don't hate it, but I just, and, and I would want to see, you know, 
the, the rumors of Toby Maguire being in No Way Home. I think I do want him to be in that. I think it would be really cool to have him return, but meh, meh. those are my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are definitely some moments in this movie that are like definitely like cheesy Sam Raimi moments. Like there's a bit where like the Green Goblin throws like a grenade on a balcony hmm. and it turns all the people into skeletons. Like it's just kind of little things like that that I'm like, all right, this is this is kind of cheesy and cartoony. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. Um, but yeah, so from there, uh, we'll move on to our news for the week. And man, do we have a lot of news this week. Um, we sure so, do. So uh, for sake of time, we're probably just going to very quickly go through a lot of these. Some of them we'll, we'll stop and talk about for a bit, but other ones we'll probably just acknowledge and move on. Um, so yeah, as usual, we'll start with our comic book things. Um, right off the top, uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods uh, has begun production. Um, this is obviously a sequel to the, was it 2019 that Shazam came out? I think it was like April 2019. I think so, um, yeah. So yeah, it's been a, just over two years uh, and I really enjoy the first Shazam. So I'm very excited to see uh, what they do with this sequel. Um, some set photos have already come out about, uh, well, showing uh, Zachary Levi's new suit um, as, the, as the main character of Shazam. Um, I think it looks pretty good. It looks significantly less padded than the first one did. It definitely looks more so like that's actually just a very buff Zachary Levi wearing that rather than just, yeah, padding. Um, I think it looks good. Uh, I'm excited to see more about this movie. Did you see the little like uh, teaser that, um, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the director. Um, David F. Sandberg? David F. Sandberg. Uh, did you see the little teaser he put out for this? I did, yes, that was, that was fun. Yeah, so like it, it came out just uh, for our listeners, like it came out just after like set photos started coming out with the new suit. Um, and it's kind of just very slow, dramatic shots, like teasing the suit, showing like the, the legs and like the arms of it and everything. And it's building to like a full reveal. Um, and then it cuts back and shows like the silhouette of the full suit. Um, and then it's just Zachary Levi being like, hey, should we like turn the lights on or something? And then it just cuts. Um, which I think is very in like on brand for, for uh, that character in these movies. Um, so yeah, I'm just very excited about this. Um, do you have any other thoughts on this, Dave? Uh, not really. I think, yeah, I, first Shazam is very good. And looking at, I just pulled up some set photos and yeah, they look, I, I think I like that new design of that suit. I'm assuming they will like CGI the cape in and probably put some other stuff on top of it. But, but yeah, I, I definitely want to see more from this character and I, I'm glad that David F. Sandberg is returning, so. Uh, word on the street is that uh, apparently the costume for Black Adam and the Black Adam movie is like incredible. Um, so I'm assuming that they're just trying to like up how the Shazam costume looks so that eventually when we see these two characters fight, it's not it's not quite as like uneven in terms of- Yeah, how. yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, moving on from there, uh, we got the news that Aaron Taylor Johnson has been cast as Craven the Hunter uh, in Sony's standalone Craven movie that they announced. Um, the film is being directed by J.C. Chandor, um, who uh, most recently he directed Triple Frontier for Netflix. Um, that was the movie. It stars like Ben Affleck and uh, Oscar Isaac and Charlie Hunnam and Pedro Pascal. I have not seen the movie. I know it's kind of a generic action movie that I think was pretty well received like it wasn't like adored but like it was I've heard it was pretty good um but then also he uh directed uh, Most Violent Year uh, a few years ago 
um, which I have not seen, but have heard it's heard it's pretty good. I think Oscar Isaac got a lot of praise for that. Um, but yeah, I think the casting of Aaron Taylor Johnson in this role is really interesting, um, just because he's not an individual I would think of when I think Craven the Hunter. Like he he's not a very when I think Craven the Hunter, I think just like a very large muscular man. And that's not really who Aaron Taylor Johnson is. Maybe he'll get there uh, for this movie. I, like, I don't doubt that, but he's just not like the person I would have thought of. But regardless, Aaron Taylor Johnson, I think is a very good actor. Um, and I'm curious to see what he looks like in this role and what just what this movie is in general. Um, they have set a release date for January 13th of 2023. Um, so it's about a year and a half out. Um, and yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I think I agree with you that he doesn't, that's not really someone who would come to mind for this role. Um, but I think with pretty much as any like superhero role these days, you have, I mean, we had like Kumail Nanjiani just like bulk up and become absolutely ripped for the Eternals. And so like, if he can do it, I feel like that's something that like Aaron Taylor Johnson could just do and become a giant mountain of a man for, for this role. Um, I don't really know if I want to see this movie. I think it's a character that I know like a little bit about. Um, and I think he's different enough that I think there could be some fun things that they could do with him, but I think just I'm very just lukewarm about the Sony universe in general, um, but I, I know we'll we'll talk about um, some Sony stuff as well later. But yeah, I don't know. Sure, I, I I'm I bet I'm sure he'll bulk up and, and do a good job in this role. Yeah, um, and we can honestly just jump into the Sony universe stuff now. Um, so there was an interview that came out this week uh, between Variety uh, and an executive at Sony. Um, I'm missing. I, I think it's. I'm missing the name of, of Sanford uh, Penich uh, is the is the Sony Motion Pictures Group president that they interviewed, uh, and they asked him like specifically about uh, their Spider-Man Marvel Universe, um, and there were some interesting some interesting quotes that came out of this. So uh, obviously um, we got Spider-Man No Way Home uh, Spider-Man No Way Home coming out this December, but prior to that we've got Venom Let There Be Carnage in September, and we've got Morbius I believe in November. Um, so we do have two of their Spider-Man adjacent properties coming out before No Way Home later this year. Um, and in terms of that, uh, he said, we don't really think of our 900 characters as the Spideyverse. We have a Marvel universe, the volume of characters we have, you know, wait until you see this next Venom, you don't miss Spider-Man. And then he paused and added, it will be exciting if they do me though, right? Um, so I think they're definitely like teasing out um, that they're having a plan uh, for merging uh, Spider-Man and their Spider-Man adjacent movies. Um, he did specifically say that there is actually a plan. I know. I think now maybe it's getting a little bit more clear for people where we're headed. And I think when No Way Home comes out, even more will be revealed. Um, so we'll find out what that means. Um, I think they definitely might be using this kind of multiverse angle that they're going with No Way Home to introduce some of these other characters. Um, who knows, maybe we'll see Tom Hardy's Venom uh, pop up in No Way Home. That would be that would be interesting for sure. But again, that movie is already so crowded that like it's hard to see imagine like what they what they're doing with this. Um, but I guess I guess there's a plan, but also they definitely had a plan to uh, expand on the universe of the Amazing Spider-Man. And we saw how that went. So 
we'll see how this goes. Uh, do you have any, any reaction to this, Dave? Yeah, I think this is kind of the inevitable direction that they're going in because if, you know, they're building this, this Sony Marvel universe that all of the characters are Spider-Man adjacent characters. And so it'd be really weird if they built up this universe and then Spider-Man just was never in it. Um, so I think, I, I think it's very interesting that he just, that just talked about No Way Home and just like brought it up. And um, I think they wouldn't do that if there hadn't been some sort of discussion already. They wouldn't like name drop a, a movie from a different studio and be like, hey, more will be revealed when that comes out if there wasn't already something in the works. So yeah, I'm I'm sure they will meet someday. I don't really know how I feel like, I don't know if like the tone of Ven of Tom Hardy's Venom really fits with Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but sure, I, I get, we'll probably get this eventually unless, I, I feel like this is going to happen unless Disney decides it's not the best thing for like the MCU and the direction that they're going. Um, so, yeah, I think Sony's definitely trying to like build up this universe so that in case Spider-Man does end up getting ripped out of the MCU, they have somewhere that they can put him, um, which I think might be a smart idea. And maybe this is kind of hinting that maybe they they're trying to build that up so that they can can take Spider-Man out and like have him exist somewhere. We'll find out. Um, I think it's interesting because. Spider-Man No Way Home like technically is a Sony film like Marvel obviously is cooperating with them in, in that and it's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe but that is still a Sony produced movie so technically they can kind of just do what they want with it so maybe they will end up folding all of these characters into it maybe we'll see Jared Leto's Morbius pop up or uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's Craven now um, who knows uh, I guess we'll find out basically within the next six months um, because we're only, yeah. It's weird that we're only like six months away from No Way Home coming out. Cause I'm so used to like uh, just assuming it's so far away. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll move on from there. I thought this had happened a long time ago, but I guess, I, I guess myself and many people online were wrong. Uh, and so Marvel has finally officially confirmed that Oscar Isaac is going to be playing Moon Knight uh, for their Moon Knight Disney Plus series. Again, I thought this had already happened. So this news came out this week uh, and there was a, a, an Instagram post that it was Oscar Isaac like holding a, up a comment and saying, we are Moon Knight, uh, kind of playing into the, the multiple personality uh, take on the character. Um, so yeah, I don't have much to add to this just because we've talked about uh, Oscar Isaac in this role before. Again, thought this was already a for sure thing, but now I guess it's for sure, for sure. Um, do you have any reaction to this, Dave? Oh, yeah, I also assume this has already happened, um, but I'm glad it's official now. Yeah, um, speaking of Marvel, uh, we there was an article that came out this week. I believe it was from The Hollywood Reporter, but don't quote me on that. Um, but Denai Guerrera, uh, who plays, um, why am I blanking on the, on the name of her character? Okoye, uh, the kind of main uh, Dora Milaje um, character from Black Panther and Wakanda. Um, but we got confirmation that she is returning to the role for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which comes out in a few years. And she will be, uh, we don't know if she's like the lead character in it, but she will be returning for the untitled Wakanda spinoff Disney Plus show that's already been uh, reported on. Um, and notably that report uh, described the show as an origin spinoff series. 
So we don't know if this is going to be like an origin story for Okoye. Is this going to be kind of like a Black Widow-esque thing where they go back and expand on that character? Or will this be an origin story for a different Wakanda-related character that Okoye just happens to be in? We don't know. Uh, I'm excited that we're getting more of this character. Um, we just had the Dora Milaje show up again in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier a couple months ago, and that was exciting. Um, so I'm just excited to see them expanding kind of this corner of the MCU. Um, and I love Denai Guerrero in the role. So I think this is just positives all around. Um, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I think this, this makes a lot of sense. I am not surprised that she's gonna be returning and I think she's a really cool character. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what Marvel does with um, the character of Black Panther and just the um, just all of the Wakanda characters um, with with Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman passing away. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it seems like they have a general plan for how for where they're going with that. So it's be interesting to see what that is. Yeah, the passing of Chadwick Boseman definitely does kind of like throw a throw a wrench in it in seemingly what they had planned on doing with uh, with Wakanda and everything because obviously they were already working on Black Panther too. Um, so it seems like they're kind of just having to rearrange or like kind of re uh, figure out what they want to do with again this corner of the universe. Um, so I'm very curious to see what they end up doing um, if they end up just having someone else take on the, the mantle of Black Panther or, or what happens. Um, so I guess we'll find out. I think it's two years away is uh, Wakanda Forever. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll find out then. Maybe we'll get an announcement prior to then, but also maybe we won't. Um, in what is probably the most exciting news of the week for David, uh, Todd Phillips uh, is co-writing a sequel to Joker. We already got news a while back that Warner Brothers wanted a sequel to Joker, um, but this is the first time we've gotten explicit confirmation that Todd Phillips is returning to co-write. Um, I... I like Joker, uh, as, as we've talked about on this podcast before. I think it's a really solid movie. Um, I don't want a sequel to it, though. Like, I know, I, I understand the temptation to make a sequel to this because it was a massive hit. It made over a billion dollars at the box office, um, which is, like, unheard of for, like, an R-rated movie like this. Um, and so, like, I feel like from a business perspective, it would be dumb not to make a sequel to this. However, it also just... It, I feel like it's one of those movies that just works the best as a standalone movie. And then you make other movies similar to it, but not direct sequels to it. Um, but I guess if you want to make a sequel to it, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, Dave, Todd Phillips writing a sequel to Joker. Uh, what's, your, what's your reaction? Um, it, it hurts me deeply, but I am not surprised by this whatsoever. I think this is, this is pretty inevitable that this would be um, a thing that is happening. I don't. I don't want it to happen. Um, I don't really care about this. <laughs> um, I, I. I don't really know what direction they could go in. They could try to incorporate Batman into this universe somehow. I don't really know how that would work exactly. They did um, already I, introduce Bruce Wayne in the last film. Yeah. Yeah. And so we and obviously we saw we saw the deaths of his parents. So they did, like, I guess, kind of set that up, but also, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the natural way this would go. Um, I saw, I've seen a lot of jokes about there just being, they're like, there's just gonna be two Jokers in this, or just, there's just gonna be an increasing amount of Jokers in this movie. Um, but yeah, 
I, I don't really think I need to see the adventures of Ar of Arthur Fleck because um, it just I just don't like it. So, but but yeah, it, it'll happen, I guess. I think it's kind of funny that they're wanting to do this because um, so Joaquin Phoenix, uh, who obviously played Arthur Fleck and the Joker in this movie, um, he like was basically like going like he was basically on board to play Doctor Strange back prior to obviously them filming that movie and everything like he was basic like he was almost like for sure but the only thing that made him not want to do it was because he didn't want to sign a multi-film deal uh and that ended up uh just kind of taking him out of the running and then they gave the role to benedict cumberbatch so i thought it made sense when he took on this project because it was supposed to be just like a standalone thing and now they're wanting to make a sequel to it so we'll we'll see if joaquin phoenix even wants to do a sequel to this because he again, it's kind of notorious for not wanting to, to do sequels and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, what a, what a ride it would be if they didn't get Joaquin Phoenix back for this. It's just like another separate Joker <laughs> and they have other Jokers. Um, yes, like it, it just, it's just a bunch of Jokers, just a bunch of people who decide to independently become the Joker. Yeah, which granted, maybe he would be inclined to come back considering he won an Oscar for this movie. Yeah. But yeah, Yuck. I guess we'll find out. Um, moving on from there, uh, just very quickly, I want to mention that uh, Kevin Feige in an interview this week um, was talking about the title of WandaVision. And he said, they asked him like where he came up with the title for that. And he gave credit to Black Klansman a few years ago uh, for inspiring that title because it's literally just two words mushed together and it worked and people liked it. And so he's like, well, I guess we can just do that with WandaVision and call it good. Um, which I think is just kind of hilarious like that it's not like a like it's not something they put too much thought into they're just kind of like yeah it works um, and just kind of went with it uh, yeah so that's just kind of like a funny little story uh, do you have anything to say about that Dave no yeah I it just it just a, a, a very and I think he like even said he was like I know it's that's really weird but it just kind of happened and that's that's just literally what happened so um, yeah cool yeah. Uh, and our last uh, comic book thing for the week uh, is just very briefly, uh, Thor Love and Thunder has officially wrapped production. Um, this is the, the sequel to Thor Ragnarok directed by Taika Waititi. Um, and yeah, they with production wrapping and this movie comes out in almost exactly a year, um, they tweeted out a photo of Chris Hemsworth and Taika Waititi standing next to each other on set. Taika Waititi is in like a Korg motion caption motion capture outfit and he's got like the Korg head on a stick above him and then Chris Hemsworth just standing there looking like an 80s action figure like the most muscular man I have ever seen like I feel like every time I see a picture of Chris Hemsworth he just gets bigger and I'm just <laughs> surprised by it every time um like honestly like it looks fake like how like I just I just don't comprehend maybe it's just because like I'm a very I'm a very skinny man um and like <laughs> like I feel like Chris Hemsworth could just like snap me in half with his fingers. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Um, but <laughs> what, what do you think of, of just Thor Love and Thunder wrapping production and then this photo that they released? Um, yeah. I, I hope, I hope you saying that is a teaser for the fact that you are in Thor Love and Thunder and they, they, they snuck you in as a person who Thor just snaps in half. I think that'd be pretty good. Um, that's the project I said was in the works earlier yeah <laughs> yes um but yeah I I'm really excited for this Thor Ragnarok is such a good time 
and I yeah I everything I've heard about this movie just sounds super fun and super interesting and we got Christian Bale and Natalie Portman and um Russell Crowe is going to be in this for a minute and that's going to be fun Mm -hmm. and yeah I I'm just so jazzed for this so glad it's coming soon yeah um, so yeah, moving into our just general movie news, uh, an interview with J.J. Abrams this week, I believe it was with Collider, uh, he was talking about uh, his experience with Star Wars, and he just admitted that, yeah, it probably would have been a good idea to have a plan going into the sequel trilogy, um, but they just kind of didn't, um, which I thought it was really interesting how he uh, talked so like explicitly about that. Um, and I'm trying to find the exact quote here. Um, Um, But yeah, just generally, uh, yeah, he talked about, he said that sometimes there's ideas that begin the thing where you feel like you know where it's going to go. And then sometimes an actor comes in and relationships change um, and it doesn't quite work. Um, But then he said that, yeah, it is just generally a good idea to like have a plan and know where you're going because then you don't really know what you're setting up. Um, And yeah, he just said, you never really know, but having a plan I've learned in some cases, the hard way is the most critical thing because otherwise you don't know what you're setting up. You don't know what to emphasize because if you don't know the inevitable story, you're just as good as your last sequence or effect or joke or whatever, but you wanna be leading to something inevitable, um, which I think we can all agree with. This, it probably would have been a, a better idea to like have a solid plan for the Star Wars sequel trilogy rather than just to kind of like wing it and figure it out along the way. Um, I, it's no secret that I am not a fan of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. I think it's one of the worst Star Wars movies and it was it was a mess. Um, and so if they had properly set up a lot of things, I think it could have worked. But also maybe if they just would have went off of what they had already set up, it could have been better. I don't know. Star Wars, I feel like we're kind of just beating a dead horse at this point. Um, but yeah, Dave, what's your reaction to this? Yeah, I think what disney and lucasfilm was trying to do with that trilogy at least at first i think it's it was not a bad idea to say hey we're gonna have three movies in this trilogy and they're all going to be directed by different people because that was originally the plan because it's supposed to be colin trevorrow for the third one um who has since just kind of disappeared well is he doing jurassic world is that that's jurassic world okay so no he's still doing things um but that ended up not happening. They ended up kind of firing him and just replacing him with J.J. Abrams again. And so I don't blame him for not like having a plan because he was not intending to do it a second or a third one. Um, and, and so I think you could do it where, hey, we have three different filmmakers and we want them to execute their own vision. And I think that could work as long as you, you stick to whatever has happened in the previous movie and you don't just wildly vary from movie to movie, the tone and the plot and where it's going. Um, so I, I think it probably is smarter in general. And I think I'm sure they will do this going forward to like have a plan of like what the characters are and who they're related to. And so then it just makes sense and it just isn't a mess. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I think I hope Disney has learned a lot of lessons from that trilogy because there is a lot of potential that was just mostly wasted yeah i agree um yeah moving on from there uh we got some news regarding uh, next year's oscars um they have been uh delayed 
Not by much, uh, but so they were scheduled for, I believe, the end of February, and now they've been pushed to the end of March. Uh, and they are keeping the same uh, rules that they had this year, uh, where like films like on streaming are allowed to qualify, um, and just generally like trying to work with work with people in in terms of like the pandemic and theaters being closed and everything. Um, so they're just trying to be a little looser with that. Um, I think that makes sense. Um, I don't have much else to add here. Uh, do you have any anything to say about next year's Oscars, Dave? Um. Not really. I just hope they're not as boring as this year's Oscars because, um, yeah, not great, I'd say. This year, yeah, so. Yeah, uh, we also, uh, Zack Snyder was interviewed this week uh, and he was asked about uh, his his take on King Arthur that uh, he's been talking about for a bit. And he said that uh, his version of King Arthur that he's wanting to tell uh, is set in the American Wild West, which is probably one of the most Zack Snyder things I've ever heard. And I think it's kind of interesting. Like, I think it could be really dumb, but also I think it could be a lot of fun. I think it could just be absolutely ridiculous, uh, which is kind of just what, I think when he's that silly and ridiculous with his concepts, I think is when Zack Snyder works best. Um, so I think this could be really interesting and we'll see if this movie actually gets made or if it's just kind of something he talks about for a while and then never actually happens. Dave, as, as we all know, you are a massive Zack Snyder fan. Oh, um, yeah. So obviously this new Wild West King Arthur movie is one of your most anticipated movies. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I think I just have to clarify just in case uh, we, we have somebody who's never listened before. I am not a big Zack Snyder fan. I don't want it out there in the world that I am because I'm I'm very much not. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't want I don't want that that uh, associated with me. Um, but I, I, as I've said many times, he is, he's a great idea, man. He's got, he takes, you cannot fault him. He takes massive swings. And I feel like this is another big old, he's, he's winding up. He's ready to take that big swing. And I think a lot of times he misses, but every once in a while he connects. So maybe this will be a time where he just crafts his, his master, his masterwork of King Arthur in the Wild West. Um, I'm not holding my breath for that. But um, I, I think it'll be like every Zack Snyder movie. It will, it, I, I doubt it will be boring and I'm sure it will have lots to talk about throughout the kids. So. Um, yeah, moving on from there, uh, a few weeks ago, or it might've been a few months ago at this point, uh, we talked about how Paddington 2, according to Rotten Tomatoes, was officially the, the best movie of all time um, because it was the uh, only film uh, or it was the film with a 100% rating with the most reviews. So that technically on Rotten Tomatoes made it the best reviewed movie. Um, but sadly, that is no longer the case as uh, a negative review for Paddington 2 has been added uh, to the site, officially taking it out of that slot. Uh, I don't remember what's the, the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes now, um, but I think it is just an outrage that it is no longer Paddington 2. Paddington 2 uh, is is truly truly cinema, um, and it deserves that title. Um, but yeah, Dave, how sad does this make you? I am so upset at this. Um, I think we, for like a glorious like month or however long it was, we lived in a world where Paddington Two was declared the greatest movie of all time, at least by Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm sad we do not live in that world anymore. Um, and I, I just wanna I just wanna read. Um, so, so it was just this, this review from this critic named Eddie Harrison at Film Authority, and um, he, 
wrote, I reviewed Paddington 2 negatively for BBC Radio on release in 2017 and on multiple occasions after that, and I stand by every word of my criticism. This is not my Paddington bear, but a sinister, male malevolent imposter who should be shot into space or nuked from space at the first opportunity. And I say to you, sir, who hurt you? Who, <laughs> who, who, what happened to you that made you hate this amazing movie? I think it, I think it is just so tragic. Um, but yeah, it's, it's disappointing. Um, it doesn't matter at all. No, it does not. But, but, but to us on the number one Paddington fan podcast, which is what this podcast is, um, it's, it's deeply disappointing. Yeah. Uh, it is it is a sad day to be to be a Paddington fan. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, moving on from there, I want to talk about a bit a bit of the box office from this past week. Um, so it seems like box office is starting to come back to life a little bit. Um, this past week we had the release of A Quiet Place Part Two and Cruella. Uh, we'll talk more about A Quiet Place Part Two later. Um, but yeah, in terms of the box office, both of these films did fairly well. Um, so it was Memorial Day weekend this past week. So uh, for the whole five-day weekend, uh, Quiet Place Part Two made $57 million. And for the three-day weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, made $47 million. Um, Cruella, on the other hand, for the five-day weekend made $26 million, And for three-day made $21. Um, and that's both pretty well, that's fairly well for both films, considering so the first Quiet Place, which came out spring of 2019, so obviously pre-pandemic and everything, and its opening weekend made about $50 million um, in the three days. Um, so I think this is right on par with that, um, which I think in a normal, like if there had been no pandemic, I think we would have seen a larger opening weekend for Quiet Place Part Two. but the fact that it still managed to make the same amount of money as the first one um, is just very encouraging. Uh, I think props got to be given to John Krasinski for that. Um, because he's been very vocal about wanting to release this movie once people could actually go see it in a theater um, and it's not premiering online anywhere you can't stream it it's exclusively in theaters um, and so I think yeah props to him for sticking to his guns there he's even been traveling around the country and like going to theaters and surprising people um, which is just kind of yeah it's you love to see it um, Cruella on the other hand managed to make yeah, about that 20 to $25 million, um, despite it being available on Disney Plus for premiere access, um, which granted like, uh, that's like a $30 charge to like own the movie on Disney Plus. So I don't know how many people actually did that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just exciting to see uh, the, the box office being alive again, because it's been, it's been a minute. We talked about it a bit with Godzilla versus Kong a few months ago, um, but this is the first time that we've seen like I guess, I guess like this kind of uh, opening for two films and two major films in the same weekend. Um, so yeah, do you have any response to this, Dave? Yeah, I, I'm super happy to see this. I hope it, um, it I hope it foreshadows a, a very healthy summer box office. Um, there are a lot, of, a lot of summer movies I'm excited to see. Um, and I hope this brings cinema back um, and as we'll talk about in a little bit with Quiet Place, um, I think that's a movie that I very much enjoyed seeing on a big screen. So I'm glad that we have that option again. And it seems like hopefully studios take this as a sign that they can put movies out in the theaters and that it's, it's something that they still can make a lot of money off of. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, moving on from there, uh, we've got to talk a little bit about Call Me By Your Name. Uh, so it's sad that Mia is not here to discuss this because uh, we've talked about before how much Mia enjoys that movie. Um, but uh, the director, writer and director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, um, was interviewed this week uh, about, so he's currently shooting a new film called, I think it's like Bones and All, um, which I guess is a, is a movie that's something to do with cannibals and it stars, uh, uh, Michael Stuhlberg uh, and Timothy Chalamet and a few a few other big names, um, but they asked him in that interview about the the sequel and development for Call Me by Your Name, um, and he kind of confirmed that they're not really working on that anymore. Uh, he said, "The truth of the matter is, my heart is still there, but I'm working on this movie now, and hopefully, I'm going to do Scarface soon. I have many projects, so I will focus on this side of the Atlantic and make the movies I want to make." Um, so it kind of seems that. Uh, the sequel to a quiet, to, I about said a quiet place. Uh, the sequel to Call Me by Your Name um, has been put on the back burner a little bit. Um, this, like, it's hard to talk about this without mentioning Army Hammer uh, because obviously there have been a lot of very kind of disturbing allegations made against Army Hammer um, that have kind of, kind of just kind of just not destroyed his career, but like made him someone people just don't really want to work with right now. Um, and we'll talk more about that uh, when we get into some TV news later. Um, but yeah, I think this just makes sense. Like, I feel like it would be a little weird making a sequel to this um, at this point. Like, I feel like you should just leave it alone and let it be what it's going to be. Um, but yeah, Dave, are you are you saddened by the cancellation of the Call Me By Your Name sequel? Um, well, I still have not seen um, Call Me By Your Name, so... I don't really have a ton of a ton of attachment to this. I know I know I need to see it at some point, but also now I don't really know if I want to see it because of Army Hammer. So like, yeah, I I think it makes a lot of sense, and I don't really know where that character is left at the end of that movie. But um, I feel like bringing him back in any way would not be the best. So yeah, and I know so Call Me by Your Name is like based on a book, and I know that there are sequels to that book in which they mm -hmm. bring like Army Hammer's character back. Um, I don't know like the plot of those movies or of those books, I assume those were going to be adapted for the sequels to the, to the first to Call Me By Your Name. Um, but also, like, I feel like Call Me By Your Name as a film works, uh, works really well, just kind of on its own. Um, so yeah, moving on from there, uh, for something completely different, Seth Rogen is producing an animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, he confirmed this on his Twitter earlier this week. Um, I was just kind of like surfing the internet uh, earlier today, like looking some things up uh, and noticed that the last Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, uh, I think it was Out of the Shadows, came out five years ago. Um, so it's been a minute since we, got, since we got a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Um, and so yeah, this new animated project with Seth Rogen producing is set for August of 2023. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm vaguely interested in this. I think Seth Rogen's a, actually a really solid producer. Um, he's gone from doing things like Sausage Party to The Boys um, and just like all of these just like very well-received things. Um, so I'm curious to see what he does with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm curious to see if he ends up voicing any of the characters or if he's kind of just in it as in a producing role. Um, yeah, we'll find out. I'm not a big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, uh, but I think it is obviously a very, a very big IP. So I think it makes sense that they want to keep it going. Um, do you, Dave, are you a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and are you at all interested in a Seth Rogen produced animated film? So I am not a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I feel like 
I, I did not see any of the two um, live action movies that they did, but I feel like those were an attempt to make those characters like very gritty and real and just that did not work by all accounts. And so I think that franchise works better when it's extremely goofy and like self-referential. And I feel like that's exactly the, the direction that a Seth Rogen produced animated movie would go. So yeah, I think I, and this is like the only Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles news that would get me like even a little bit excited. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, moving on from there, I uh, want to talk a bit about the Warner Brothers and Discover or the Warner Media uh, and Discovery merger that was announced last week. Um, they've officially come out and uh, announced the name of the potential new company as Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, and they revealed a logo for it, too. Um, I don't have much to say about this other than like it's kind of a boring name. I am glad that they brought out, brought back like the Warner Brothers name uh, for the for the overall company, just because I think that's a really recognizable IP. Um, but I think the logo they release is kind of really cheesy. It looks like something like a middle school student would make on Photoshop. Um, but you know, they've got over a year. Uh, well, they they've probably still got a year before all of this is actually finalized because they have to get like governmental approval and all, all that kind of interesting business stuff. Um, so there's still time to change the logo. Um, yeah, Dave, do you have any reaction to this? Um, I think it's a dumb name. I think it's a dumb logo. Uh, that's it. <laughs> nice. Uh, Indiana Jones 5 is beginning production next week. Uh, I just want to mention this because I never thought this movie would actually happen. Like I knew, obviously, we, we, there's been a lot of casting for it lately, and uh, James Mangold is going to be directing it. Um, but this is just a movie that's been talked about for like well over a decade now. So I kind of just assumed we'd never actually get it. Um, and cameras haven't started rolling yet. So it's, it's still possible that this thing gets the plug pulled on it. Uh, but it's looking like this is actually going to happen. Um, so I guess I'm vaguely excited for that. I'm excited that, uh, that James Mangle is doing it just because I think he's a really solid director. Um, but yeah, Dave, what's your excitement level at for Indiana Jones 5? Yeah, I I think it could be something. Um, you know, I'll definitely see it. I did we talk about like the potential leaked story details about this? Or did you hear anything about that? I heard a um, little bit about it. Yeah, from what I heard, it's gonna take place in like the '60s, and like it'll be like the backdrop will be like the space race, which I don't think is a bad concept. I think that's actually kind of interesting. I hope that's just like the general like cultural backdrop of the movie and it's not like indiana jones is going to space like i really hope that's not what they do i don't think that's what they're gonna do um but yeah i think a like indiana jones in the 60s movie would be pretty good when was the last one set okay so yeah that would be the, the natural progression so um yeah cool sounds good i i think they should just like introduce time travel into this universe and it's just Harrison Ford being Indiana Jones now and he's just like 2021 and he's swinging around I think that'd be pretty good I want Indiana Jones but constantly in the in World War II like as he gets older he just keeps going back just keeps like oh he's like oh god again the Nazis again why <laughs> um yeah, moving on from there, uh, Jonathan Majors, uh, who is most well known for starring in Lovecraft Country, and he's recently been cast as Kang the Conqueror um, in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, is in talks to star uh, opposite Chad, uh, I about said Chadwick Boseman, uh, opposite um, Michael B. Jordan uh, in Creed 3. 
Um, no details on who he's playing in this yet. Um, there's been speculation that uh, he's going to be like another son of Adonis Creed because I, I, I haven't seen many of the Rocky movies anytime recently. Um, so I don't know much about uh, a lot of the Rocky adjacent characters, but apparently Adonis Creed, like it's set up that he has a few kids. Um, and so maybe Jonathan Majors is playing like a half brother to uh, Michael B. Jordan's character and that's who he has to fight. I think that could be interesting. Um, I'm just excited that they're making a third Creed film. I think the first two have been really solid. Um, and yeah, just excited to see what Michael B. Jordan does directing this um, because I think this is his first time directing a film. Uh, and yeah, I'm just curious to see how this, how this ends up. I think Jonathan Majors is a solid actor. So it's never a bad idea to add talent like that. Um, but yeah, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, so I, I think as, as I've established, I'm a big Rocky fan. Um, I've seen all of them for better or worse. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, yeah, this, this sounds good. Um, I think I, yeah, I'm excited to see what um, Michael B. Jordan does with this. And I feel like that they've, the first one is pretty much just the same movie as Rocky, but it's now. Um, and the second one was, oh, it's the son of one of Rocky's former enemies. And so I feel like they couldn't do that again. So I think making it, if it's, oh, it's Rocky, it's Creed's fighting his a relative of his. Yeah, I think that could be pretty good. So, and yeah, I think you could maybe explore some things with um, like Apollo Creed and maybe like, yeah, just, I mean, um, the character of Apollo Creed is dead, but Carl Weathers, Carl Weathers is still alive. So like you could do a flashback or something. Um, yeah. So yeah, that sounds yeah. good. Uh, moving on from there, we got some casting news for John Wick Chapter 4, uh, and Donnie Yen has joined the cast of John Wick Chapter 4. Um, supposedly, his character is going to be uh, an old friend of John Wick's, uh, uh, and the, so yeah, Donnie Yen is playing a friend of John Wick's uh, who shares a similar history and has many of the same enemies. Um, so it sounds like Donnie Yen and Keanu Reeves are going to be teaming up in John Wick Chapter 4, and I could not be more excited for this. Obviously, I, I'm a big fan of the John Wick series. I think all three films are really solid, um, and uh, Donnie Yen is, he's Donnie Yen. Like, he's, yeah, he, Donnie Yen deserves to be in pretty much everything at this point. Like, he just has that kind of charisma, and he sells his action sequences so well, and I think he's just a really natural fit for the John Wick franchise, and I'm just very excited to see this. Um, Dave, you haven't seen any of the John Wick films. Does, does Donnie Yen joining the fourth one do anything for you? Yeah, I think the only movie I've seen him in is Rogue One. Um, and he's really good in that. And so, yes, this sounds good. I need, to, I need to see the John Wick movies at some point. So I'm sure probably before the fourth one, I'll get the, the first three out of the way. Yeah, um, moving on. Uh, trying to do this quickly just because we're, <laughs> we're going a bit, uh, a bit long. Um, but for TV stuff, uh, The Last of Us series on HBO has cast um, Merle Dandridge uh, as the character of Marlene from the game. I have no idea who this actress is or who this character is, um, but Dave is a big Last of Us fan. So Dave, is this a good thing? Yes, I think it is. Um, I feel like there are, um, you know, like for a lot of the main characters, they weren't obviously going to cast like the voice actors from the game in like the leading role. Like they're not going to cast very, very, very good and like famous in the video game world voice actor Troy Baker, who voiced Joel, like 
they're not going to cast him as like the lead in an HBO Mac, like an HBO show. And like, I understand that. And I don't even think that like he himself would be great in that role um, in a live action thing. But I think for a, a character like this, um, just to give like a little bit of background on her. So they're in, in the game and in this story. Uh, so zombie apocalypse has happened and there's just like various like rebel groups and like factions and stuff and there's this group called the fireflies um and she's like the leader of like this kind of radical group um and she's the one who like joel is trying to bring ellie to the fireflies to make a cure for this thing so um she's not in the game a lot she's in like the beginning and then like the end like that's pretty much it i think you could do more with her and what they've said about this project in general is that it's going to be the story of the first game but they're going to do they're going to go more into it they're going to flush it out a little bit more so i would imagine we probably probably would see her a little bit more um especially because you know in a tv show you can you can get away from the point of the characters and it doesn't doesn't just have to be about those two the whole time so um yeah this this sounds good and uh, yeah she's she does a good job voicing that character so i'm sure sure she'll do a even better job acting it yeah um and then our last bit of tv news uh alluded to earlier miles teller has replaced army hammer uh in the the offer which is a paramount plus series about the making of the godfather um, Miles Teller is now playing the lead in the, in the series, uh, which is producer Al Ruddy, um, which, so I don't know much about the making of The Godfather. I think this series sounds kind of interesting. Um, and I'm just glad to see Miles Teller getting more work because I think Miles Teller is a very underrated actor. Um, and I think it makes sense that they wouldn't want Army Hammer in this show anymore. So I think it's a natural choice to go get uh, Miles Teller. Um, yeah, Dave, are you excited for this? Um, yeah. I I have never seen The Godfather or any of those movies, full disclosure. I know that that is a series that I need to see um, so I don't have my movie fan card revoked. But um, yeah, I'm sure this, this sounds pretty good. Um, I hope it's better than Mank, which is just kind of this, but Citizen Kane, so. Yeah, um, moving into our trailers for the week. So we got five trailers to talk about this week. There's Jungle Cruise, Old, Last Night in Soho, the, the iCarly revival on Paramount Plus, and Reminiscence. So just very quickly, um, I, think the, I think the best trailer here is probably Last Night in Soho. It's the, the latest Edgar Wright film. It's kind of a weird time travel horror movie, it looks like. Uh, I think it looks really interesting, and it looks like nothing Edgar Wright's done before. So I'm very excited about that. But I also think the trailers for Old and Reminiscence look really interesting. I think Old uh, is the is the latest film from M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, and this trailer played before A Quiet Place Part 2 last week when I saw it. Um, and I just think it looks really interesting. It's a really interesting concept. And I like how it seems to be almost entirely set on this on this beach. Uh, I think it just, it just looks really interesting. Um, and then Reminiscence, I didn't really get what this movie was about by watching this trailer, but Hugh Jackman looks really good in it. Um, so I think that alone has me excited for it. But Dave, which of these trailers kind of stand out to you? Uh, and is there anything you're particularly excited about? Um, yeah, I think Last Night in Soho did enough to intrigue me into, and I think I was going to see this anyway because of Edgar Wright, but it looks very different from anything he's done um, in a good way. Like, I think it just, yeah, looks very compelling. And I, 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 
there's definitely a lot of like horror elements and just weird sci-fi time travel stuff. And I think that that's cool. I, I, I'm sure he'll do a really good job with it. Um, so yeah, I, Jungle Crew just looks like the most generic Disney movie ever made. Um, so I don't I really care about the, that. The one little bit of the Jungle Cruise trailer I enjoyed was Jesse Plemons as like this weird, like over the top German submarine character. Um, yeah, that was pretty good. Literally a second and a half, but it, it made an impression. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, yeah, old. Yeah, that also played in front of uh, Quiet Place when I was seeing that. Um, and yeah, looks good. I don't think I've ever seen an M. Night Shyamalan movie. So yeah, so maybe I'll just, Some maybe I'll watch. <laughs> yes, yes. So maybe I'll go on like a, uh, just a tour of his movies um, before that one comes out. But yeah, that looks, that, that looks pretty interesting. Um, Reminiscence. Yeah, I think it looks like something. I don't, I, to me, it kind of looked like a weird Inception knockoff, but like with memories instead of dreams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems to have commentary on global warming and um being stuck in the past and whatever um so yeah it looks looks pretty good and i don't really have any icarly thoughts because i never watched icarly as a child so yeah just very briefly so i watched a bit of icarly as a kid and i think this i think it's weird that they're bringing it back but i think this trailer for it looks i think it looks pretty decent like it looks like it kind of maintains the spirit of the show while also like aging the characters up and making it just like a little bit more adult uh, which I think is an interesting direction. We haven't really seen that done with like a kid's show like this before. Um, so I'm curious to see like what the overall reaction to this is. Um, but yeah, um, so from there, we'll move into our main topic, uh, which is we're just going to talk about A Quiet Place Part 2 um, because we both saw it last week. Uh, and I think we both really enjoyed it. So um, we don't have a whole lot of time just because I have to go to work. <laughs> um, but uh, just kind of, Briefly, Dave, what's your what's your reaction to A Quiet Place Part Two? Were you excited for it? Where did it meet? Uh, did it meet your expectations? That kind of stuff. So I, I think after the first one, I, I, I loved the first one. I think I didn't really see the need for a sequel, um, but I was excited when we it was announced that there was going to be a second one. I think I was bracing myself for maybe it not being as good or just being, you know, like an okay follow-up to, to this movie and just kind of being much of the same. Um, but I was pleasantly very surprised uh, because I really loved this. I thought it was definitely on par with the first one. I'm not exactly sure which one I like better, um, but I really like the direction that they take these characters. I think um, they're just, yeah, a lot of great moments in it. I was concerned that the premise of oh it's quiet and there are some monsters around and they're jumping out at you wasn't going to be scary the second time but it still was quite scary intense and I was I was very very nervous the whole time um and yeah I I had a really good time with it um I think it had it, I think it yeah built really well to a, a very good ending um and I kind of I want a third one now like I like legitimately really want a third one so yeah, I, I am on the exact same page, actually. Like when they, so I loved the first one when it came out, um, but when they announced a sequel to it, I was just, I personally did not want a sequel. I was like, I feel like just leave it alone. It's great as it is. Um, but I think what makes this one work as a sequel is, is it, it's set like 
immediately after the first one. So that so obviously it's titled The Quiet Place Part Two, and it definitely feels more so like a continuation of the same story rather than just like telling another story. Like it's see, it's a very natural sequel and a very natural follow up, which I thought definitely like made it work a lot more. Um, I think. I was very glad to see Killian Murphy have as large a role in this movie as he did. Cause I think, so Killian Murphy, he plays the kind of like family friend type character that they, that they run into. Um, and I think Killian Murphy is like an incredible actor that doesn't get uh, enough praise for the things that he's in. Um, and so I was just very, very excited to not only see him in this movie, but have him be like one of the leads in this movie. So hopefully that'll get him some more work um, and just in general, yeah, I thought it was just a really solid follow-up. Um, I also would like to see a third one. I think John Krasinski, uh, so he, I think, solely wrote this movie. So, like, the first one he was a co-writer of, but I think this one is, like, just all him. Um, and he obviously directed it as well. And I think he did, it like, an incredible job. Um, so I'm very excited to see both what they, so they are making a third one. They've already announced a director for the third one. And it's not John Krasinski. Um, mm. I don't remember who it is, um, but I'm, I'm very excited to see what direction they go with the third one and uh, what John Krasinski does next. Cause if he's not doing the third one, then like what, I'd like to see him stay in the horror genre, but also like, it'd be interesting to see him branch out. See, so he's already done some comedies, but I think it'd be interesting to see whatever, whatever he decides to do next. Um, but yeah, Quiet Place Part 2. It gets a big thumbs up from me. Uh, I think it definitely lives up to the first one. I think I prefer the first one just a little bit um, mm -hmm. just because it's like the introduction of these ideas. But I think Quiet Place Part 2 is definitely like a worthy follow-up to the first. For sure. Um, a few just like specific things that we can talk about real quick. Yeah, I think Killian Murphy was great. I was... I thought that maybe that character was just going to be John, a exact replacement for John Krasinski's character. And he's just like the guy who's fighting some monsters um, and just wouldn't be that interesting. But I thought he was a really well fleshed out character um, at when that movie, when we first meet him, he is very much, you know, like he is on the edge. Like he does not want to help them at all. He just, he, his, his, his family is, has recently died. He is just, you know, he is just in a very bad place. Um, but I, I think that he, he develops really well and you can kind of see the natural progression of every time he's, he, he's, he's talking with them and then they're kind of pleading with him to help them. He, he kind of, that empathy kind of comes back into him. And I, by the end, I just was really rooting for him as a character. Um, and yeah, I also, I liked how the the two, like, main children in this had a, had a lot to do. I thought they were, both were really great. Uh, I think Noah Jupe and Millicent Simmons, I think, are the actors' names. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, they both, like, had their own agency and um, were given things to do and, and just felt like just well-developed characters. And I think had a very natural progression from the first to second. I watched the first one, like a few days, rewatched the first one, a few days before watching the second one. I think it's a very, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, an, it's a continuation. Um, a criticism that I saw of this was that it just kind of feels like an episode of a TV show. And there's not really like a like build to something like big, like it, it, it 
ends on a cliffhanger and it doesn't really like not much like happens really mm -hmm. um but i disagree with that i think it it that it does feel like that in a lot of ways but i didn't i didn't dislike that i i, I actually like that um and i thought um they they've done it in a way that i'm sure when if and when there's a third one it will continue right away after the third one just like this one um and i think there are seeds here that they can go with and then like wrap up the story with uh, of like at least this family and this um this story arc like in the next movie so yeah um really quick i do want to mention so i need to correct myself that there is a third quiet place film in the works but it's not a quiet place part three um so they have previously announced that they're making like a spinoff of of a quiet place um that is being written and directed by jeff nichols um, who did Mud a few years ago with Matthew McConaughey. Um, so that is the third Quiet Place film that's in the works right now, um, but there's no official confirmation on a separate A Quiet Place Part 3. Um, so John Krasinski could come back and do a third one, um, like continuing these characters story. But I think the one in the works now is kind of like a separate thing in this universe. Uh, and it currently is set for like a 2022 release. So we'll, we'll see that next year, I guess. Um, but yeah. Uh, do you have any just general closing thoughts on A Quiet Place or really anything we've talked about? Um, I think there were some, and I won't really get into them in specifics. Uh, there were some, like the first one, I think there were some major plot holes with this one that just, and just like leaps of logic in this universe that I think in the back of my mind kind of bugged me, but because I think this concept is so excellent and I really care deeply about all of these characters. It just did not bug me at all. There are a few moments where I was just like, does that really make sense? No, I don't think so. And some character decisions that I didn't exactly agree with, but I think overall it's just, it's just so well made. And John Krasinski is really just randomly a master of horror and suspense. Like it, it, is, it is just as scary. It's just as compelling as the first one. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of want to go see it again in theaters because I, and like I was saying before, I am glad I got to see this on a big screen because it really just kind of sucked me back into this universe. So good movie. Yeah, we get Quiet Place Part 2 is officially a Cinebraskans approved movie. Go check yeah. it out. Um, but yeah, on that note, we'll start wrapping things up. This has been episode 53 of Cinebraskans, uh, Daily Nebraskan Entertainment Podcast. Uh, as always, I've been your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host, David Berman. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. See ya.